Hey, I'm Zach, and one day I'm going to make movies, but right now I'm young, dumb, and not nearly as good-looking as my co-hosts. So with the help of... I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. I'm Steven. I'm going to learn what makes a movie great by watching all the classics I've skipped over. So pop the corn and turn your cell phone to silent, because it's time for a new episode of Zach on Film. I'm in control of this movie talking chip now, and for my first pick... A porn-crazed muscle head has to co- overcome his ideas on relationships, religion, and what it means to be a man. Don John is this week on Zach on Film. Nailed it. So, Zach, you're in charge hey. here. Yeah, I guess. So take charge. Hey, Steven. Yes, Zach, what's going on? <laughs> hey, did you watch the movie this week? I did. We are talking John, Don John this week. Is this the first time you've watched it? Yes, it has. Yeah? But although I have owned it. Uh, since it first arrived on iTunes a while ago. Yeah. So it was a while ago, but it's, you know, there are movies that, um, sit in my unwatched pile for a long time, sometimes because, um, not that I dread watching the movie, but I have to be in a particular (laughs) mood to watch a movie Uh like Tusk and Red State. Red State took me, I think almost eight months before I finally said I'm in the mood to do this. Mm-hmm. I still haven't watched what's that other one that Kevin Smith funded the uh the Wildens or yeah the Dirties. The Dirties. Oh I, yeah. I've still not That's watched that stuff. one because I have I'm not, I have not put myself in and what I believe is the right frame of mind to watch this. That one's really good. And it really it kind of made me mad because uh Max Landis mm-hmm. uh who wrote Chronicle. Right. Um he put out a little short thing called Jane LA. Yeah. Which if you if you've seen the Dirties and then you watch that, it's fe- I'm not saying he ripped it off, but right. like it's like close to the exact same thing oh, in a okay. short form. You're not saying he didn't. I'm not saying I'm not saying he didn't. I'm not saying it wasn't heavily influenced by the dirties. Right. I have no idea. But if you've watched both of them, it's like oh. But well. Jalen in L.A. is done by Max Landis, right? Yeah, it's just like okay. a, it's like a it's like a ten minute so, short. Film yeah, yeah. Thing. So I mean, um, Paul Thomas Anderson, yeah, um, has done the same thing before. If you watch, uh, he did a short documentary mockumentary um, on uh, Dirk Did- Diggler called the Dirk Diggler story. I think okay. that's what it was called. It was a short little documentary. And if you watch it, it's got some of the same actors that were in Boogie Nights. Oh, okay. Uh, but it came out like five years before yeah. that. It was really low independent kind of thing. That's funny. Um, or maybe it was the Johnny Holmes story. I forget which one it was. It's one of those two. I didn't uh, didn't know we were going to dive into that. No, so that's I didn't fine. <laughs> but I think I have to be in the right frame of mind to watch a movie. And sure. when you read that... You know, here's a guy that's addicted to porn and it's affecting his family life, mm-hmm. which is what the solicitation reads. I'm like, oh, this is going to be a freaking preachy movie. I mm-hmm. have to get in the right frame mm-hmm. of mind to be preached yeah. at for an hour. Because when they say family, I'm thinking, oh, he's got a wife and kids and this is how porn is affecting uh, his wife and kids. And that's not what no, this movie's about at all. Not at all. And so, yeah, so it took me a long time to watch, but I watched it and I found it enjoyable. Yeah. On, on many levels, I found it enjoyable. Oh, good. Matthew, you've, you've watched this before or not? No, I've never heard of this movie, honestly. Okay. Um, cool. When, when you said Don John, I kept thinking that uh, Johnny Depp movie with Marlon Brando, which was Don Juan DeMarco, I think. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, I've, I've never heard of this, but I, I will tell you two things about this movie. One, it has the most annoying first minute and a half. Especially <laughs> oh, I think that's wearing, brilliant. When you're wearing headphones. Yes, but it's it's shrieky and flashy all at once. Uh-huh. But that and is yeah. down. that's exactly what that's exactly what um Joseph Gordon Levitt's character is. You know, I mean if you Shriek watch what's what's that uh New Jersey show that's on that Jersey, on Jersey, Jersey Shore. Shore. If you yeah. watch it, that's what he's portraying. Oh yeah, and they're loud, oh. and the the characters on that show are loud and abrasive and obnoxious and in your face and yeah. flashy and right. out of control. This first minute of this movie sets all that up. It tells you mm-hmm. exactly who Joseph Gordon Levitt or his character is, right. and what you can expect going forward for the most part. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that that part struck me first of all as really annoying and i you know i i get what you're saying and i can definitely see that and secondly it had that gorgeous shot of phoebe cates from when i was a kid (laughs) which immediately which immediately put me in the thought process of this movie is going to shame me (laughs) well so So. that's a that's that's a good question yeah sure is this movie a shaming movie is this movie uh, one that hits you over the head with porn is evil and bad, or is it something else? Um, I don't feel like the movie 
tried to shame me yeah. as a viewer. But I feel like the movie's treatment of Johnny, specifically John's relationships and John's relationship with pornography and his relationship with women, are treated as kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily think that, again, from a character perspective, from a story perspective, it makes perfect sense. I feel like it does shame John. And I feel like if you had a relationship with pornography or a relationship with women in pornography that resembles that, yeah, it could be. I mean, I, I'm a 43-year-old man. I will admit that I do enjoy pornography. And I feel like ethically made pornography made by adults for adult audiences is a good thing. Mm-hmm. It allow it allows people to, you know, access whatever they need to access and get things out of their system. You know, if if you're single, if you are in a relationship and you want to go and see one of these movies and do something else, that's fine. I feel like there is a place for that type of movie. There's a place mm-hmm. for that type of entertainment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily feel like if you personally have a moral problem with it, absolutely, your morality is your own business and it's not necessarily mine to have. But I feel like this movie doesn't take a moral standpoint on it, except in as much as we keep having that that entertaining interaction with uh, the the priest that I love where he takes <laughs> yeah, confession. It, and it's like yeah. the same thing every yeah. week and it's the same thing. And he's like, and this week I did this and this and yeah. that's a lot better, isn't it, Fada? And yeah. the guy's like, ten Hail Marys and ten Hello Dollies. Yeah, yeah. And, I, I I think so. You say that really well, Matthew. I think yeah. this film doesn't try to beat you with a porn is bad stick, mm-hmm. but to it, me, it frames the conversation uh, in a way where I think uh, Julianne Moore's character Esther kind of frames it as if you're gonna watch this. Just understand what's happening is not real. That right. is the entire point of this message. Because yeah. I was prepared to come in and say, you know what, there are, you know, you could bring Dr. Drew onto this show and he would talk about, yes, uh, pornography exposed at certain ages. And people who get into pornography uh, are probably not in the best state of mind, frame of mind. It does do mental damage to you and all these kinds of things. I'm like Matthew. I enjoy pornography. Mm-hmm. I think it's fine. Um, it it doesn't conflict. Oh, that's exactly what an addict would say, Stephen. <laughs> no, but here's the thing. I know that what I'm watching is not real. Right. I know what I'm watching is something that is shaped and molded and presented to get a reaction, to get a reaction from the audience, right. whoever that audience may be, guy, girl, whatever, right. couples, um, that's fine. And as Matthew said, there is something for everybody. Mm-hmm. A lot of that is definitely not for me because mm-hmm. it's kind of crazy at times. <laughs> but there's some, you know, the weird thing. So I'll, I'll just say this so we can get this out of the way. <laughs> when it comes to porn, sometimes I enjoy watching it not for the acts that are being performed, but in the way that things are shot and lit. And I know that's <laughs> that's a weird thing to say that I'm looking at it true. for the – it's like saying I read Playboy for the articles. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of that same way where I'm like <laughs> – <laughs> oh, look at how nice and soft that lighting is. I wonder what light they're using. And oh, look at that angle of their, you know, there's kind of, of an art to it. places that you still have that, that, that quote unquote amateur filmmaking, that low level stuff that you'll see in every, you know, minor production well, house in every small town. I mean, you look at some of the stuff like what some of these people are doing, like Wicked and, and Vivid, and um, they're doing stuff that I would say is as good as some of the best Hollywood stuff out there. Mm-hmm. In in some of the production value stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, the point of this movie is definitely not pornography is bad and pornography is harmful. No. Mm-hmm. What I got from it was um, sex is used to manipulate people um, to create an idealized situation that is never going mm-hmm. to be attainable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so from what Julianne Moore is explaining to, to um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I know we Scarlett Johansson this, and everybody calls her Scar Joe. Maybe we should call him uh, Jogo Lev. Jogo Jogo Lev. So what she's explaining to him is, you do realize that the stuff you're seeing on the screen is not real. That it's made right. up. That it's fake. That this is the stuff that normally does not happen between people. Yeah. And he right. doesn't. He doesn't see that. Mm-hmm. But he's also makes a point multiple times in the movie, both as the writer and the director and the actor in this uh, and the character that he plays in here, that. 
everybody is manipulating everybody and using sex as that. I mean, there's right. a scene late in the movie where he has stopped watching porn and has stopped masturbating. And he's standing in the um, checkout aisle and he looks at the cover of Cosmo and Vogue or whatever. And they're two very attractive ladies. And he just kind of smiles. And you don't know if that's because he's starting to get back into that mood or if he's making this recognition of, oh, look, sex is being used even to sell to manipulate people into buying a magazine and buying into this right. look of this is what mm-hmm. we consider beauty or this is what we consider sexier. This is what we can do, whatever. Mm-hmm. So uh, Jogo Lev is using um, uh, pornography because it's his idealized uh, idea of what sex is about because all he knows is uh, gym laundry tan, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, all he knows yeah. is clean the house, go to the gym, go to the bar and pick up as many women as he can and have sex with them. And and he says right up front, none of them do the things that he expects or that he believes is happening in pornography. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. Likewise, oh, I was going to say, likewise, Scarlett Johansson's character is probably the worst character in here, regardless yeah. of whether you want to <laughs> no, go into I the whole so discussion too. of whether um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's watching porn and lying to his girlfriend about watching porn uh, is the worst thing. She is using sex to try and change someone. Mm-hmm. She right. is is withholding sex. She is using this promise of love to try to change Joseph Gordon-Levitt into her mm-hmm. idealized mm-hmm. version of what a couple is. And he even points that out early in the movie before he recognizes it himself where he goes to the movies and like movies are so stupid because it's yeah. a guy who loves a girl and they get a fine. They move back together and blah, 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 blah. And he doesn't realize that he is playing into her idealized mm-hmm. version of what a romantic sexual couple is about. Right. And uh, one could argue that Juliet, uh, Julianne Moore is using John's character to get something as well. Mm-hmm. Questioning yeah. him about his views on pornography, his relationship, why he's in the class, et cetera, because she needs an outlet for her grief. Sure. And so she's using that as a way of manipulating him, too. So this movie is really about how are people manipulating one another Mm-hmm. To get what they believe they want when that want is not attainable. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. 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 And the, I don't think the movie makes a point that pornography is bad. I no. think the movie makes a point that pornography is bad for John Martello. Right. Pornography is very bad for him in the way that he interacts with people. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. if you look at the breakdown of the film and the things that he thinks he wants – what he ends up being happy with is the thing that he thinks he doesn't want. He start, you know, the first we see of him in in the club is, oh, I need an eight. I only do eights or above. Hey, by the way, most of the accents in this film will get on your nerves after about five <laughs> minutes. He only he only sleeps with eights and above. And when he finds the girl that he can't have, he doubles down on mm-hmm. pursuing her. And when he actually, you know, the the what what happens between him and Julianne Moore sneaks up on him. He doesn't want any part of her. At one point, mm-hmm. she's like, did you call me lady? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he clearly thinks of her as an older woman who's mm-hmm. not not something he's at all interested in. And that's, you know, that's the point, I think, where the movie starts making the case that, you know, not only does he not know what he wants, he has no idea what he actually needs. And he ends up with a woman 30 years older than the woman he's pursuing. Mm-hmm. And he ends up seemingly happier. Yeah, happier. yeah. Yeah. Cause he has a better understanding of it at the end. Um, right. let me, let me say this. If it, 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 going back to the pornography angle, just to, for just a moment. Um, if you want to really break your view on, uh, the people who do porn, follow them in social media. And you might be thinking, yeah, but they're just going to post pictures of them doing nasty things and gross things and different things. And it's like, well, that may be an attraction at first, but there are a couple that I follow and some of them and some of them follow us because they're fans of, of what we do. Uh, Mika Tan is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but you will quickly find out that they're humans. Mm-hmm. They may have a job that is in the sex uh, area, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but they are, they are people who have feelings, who go through emotions, who go through breakups and divorces, have good times and bad times. And I found it just by following a couple of them through social media that I recognize them more as people. Mm-hmm. And I know that's weird to say, 
Um, no, that's, well, that's, it's, that's an a, very, I mean, it's an important thing right. in anything. Right. Uh, someone someone jumped on me the other day saying, well, Stephen, you kind of follow some porn people on your in your Twitter feed. I'm like, yes, because regardless of what their occupation are, they're still people. And mm-hmm. then once you realize that they're people, they can be a lot of fun and they can be really interesting and you can get involved in their lives. Um, yep. You know, I don't want to say that Mika Tan and I are best friends, but she <laughs> but. and I have have crossed paths with one another for 15 years at least. Um, first time that I had a personal interaction with her, it was, she had contacted me directly asking for um, video equipment recommendations because she was starting up her company mm-hmm. uh, that was focused more on Asian uh, films, mm-hmm. adult films, and she needed some recommendations on equipment. So that's how we kind of started talking with one another there. It was years later that I found out she was into comic books and pop culture, and she'll retweet stuff that we post. She's uh, We've talked before about trying to get her on the show to talk about her love of pop culture. She's really into cosplay. She works at a um, – or she did work at a, a, a costume – uh, kind of place uh, making high end makeup kind of stuff, um, prosthetics and stuff. She's just a just a normal mm-hmm. person, yeah. right? Who just happens to have sex uh, yeah. for a living. Yeah. Uh, well, but not that, really for a living, but I mean, just as a side occupation, yeah. actually. <laughs> but that I mean, that also ties into the theme of the film in that our expectations of those actors and actresses is not going to be their reality. You're not going to connect with them the same level. Right. You know, I I have that thing where every once in a while I get a a retweet or a reply from Ashley Williams, who I utterly adore, my favorite actors. And she will say something and I'll be like, yeah, I'll squeal like a 10-year-old girl for a a couple of hours. But basically what it really comes down to is we don't connect necessarily with people on that real level. You see the movie, you see the portrayal, you see... The, the Rococo, the facade of that pretty girl in the bar in the Scarlett Johansson dress. And by the way, Scarlett Johansson looks funny as a blonde. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's none of I've my known business her more what a, color I've known her, her more as a blonde than, mm-hmm. in her movies mm-hmm. than, than not from the – what's the movie she did with the Bill Murray? Um, uh, Lost in Translation. Yeah, yeah. She was a blonde, was she in, blonde that. in that. Yeah. Pretty oh, sure. wow. I don't remember. I've only known her as a blonde. So when she showed up in Avengers with red hair, I was like, oh, she's a redhead. I think she's got. She was a redhead in Eight Legged Freaks. I know that. Oh, okay. She was blonde in her. Yep, she was. She was blonde. What about in this uh, new Lucy movie? In her, uh, she, she was changed, clearly she red. Change oh, whatever, whatever color, color, color she wants. Yeah. So there you go. I just watched Under the Skin with her this weekend, and she. Is oh, is hair. that good? Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> it's I, real good. I like Luke uh, Besson, who, who yeah. directs Lucy. I love, I love the, his film. So that's the reason why I got it, so I can watch watch it. I. Mm-hmm. movie I guess is just okay but under the skin I've been sitting there yeah. like, debating on whether to watch and some people have watch said this it's really, really good okay is it, this, uh, tying into that and Lucy really I thought this movie because it released uh, fall of 2013 mm-hmm. this was like a start of a string of films where I thought Scarlett Johansson was making some of the most interesting acting choices mm, of good. anyone I'd followed because she did this yeah and then she was in her uh, then she did Under the Skin and Lucy, and in the middle she was in Avengers, uh, uh, Avengers and Captain America. Yeah. I just thought there was just this like way more development of a character. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, as an actor, to see her do way more things than we've seen like other people in the Marvel movies really yeah. do in their tenure as those characters. Yeah, it cool. was just really interesting. Cool. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So I'm interested in seeing some more stuff yeah. uh, with her. Um, so for people who may be interested in watching this movie, do be aware that there is. Um, brief nudity. Most of the brief nudity comes from the fact that he's watching pornographic websites, yeah. and so they. I'm mm-hmm. really surprised. Uh, well, at how much I, they actually put in there, how much they were actually put in, and yeah. how much like um those companies got paid to yeah. allow them to use clips from their mm-hmm. movies in there. Now maybe they maybe they sure. were like, oh, we'll take a cheaper rate, and it's free advertising for us. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Pornhub just gets typed right into the bar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Some yeah. Advertising. Um. What if they help pay for the movie? I well, know. I don't know. I, I mean, know. it's a it's a it's an in, it's well, a low budget film. I mean, this is I'll, about, I'll talk about that. This is Joseph Gordon Levitt's uh, directorial debut and Direct, writing yeah, and writing debut. Yeah, um, and so I think he did a f- I you know I think he did a fine job in many yeah. places in telling a story, mm-hmm. telling something that wasn't. Um, oh, I know what I want to get into here. Okay. Something that wasn't that wasn't beating you over the head with the message you thought the movie was yeah. going to be about, but in turn told you basically that everything that Johnny had gone through, he really needs to evaluate his entire life, including 
his evaluation on religion. Yeah. So, because he's to, super okay. he's super into going yeah. to church and doing the family thing and going to confession and feeling like all of his sins have been absolved when he goes in and says how many times he jerked yeah. off or how many pornography movies he watched or how many times uh, he's had sex with, with women out of wedlock. But when he makes this discovery about how he's being used by Scarlett Johansson and he's making some other realizations about his own life, about what he wants and what he doesn't need, he goes into confession and he's like, um, so father, this is what I did. Pretty good, honey. He's like, yeah, 10 Hill Marys. Mm-hmm. And he's like, why'd you come up with that? Yeah. And the priest doesn't yeah. have an answer. And no. he basically at that mo- point realizes that religion is also not an answer to, well, to, it, to it, I mean, the forgiveness of, of sin and sex sure. is not just an easy out like pornography yeah, is the easy I, out. Um, to me, that scene... Uh, the first time I watched Don John, actually, this movie actually came and played in Hayes in the theater. Yeah, which I was, was amazing. Really? Yeah, it did. Well, that was before it was bought out by Starplex. Yes, it was. Yeah. Uh, oh, it was by owned by Starplex or not? Uh, I don't remember. Okay. It, might, it was in. They went through like three owners really quick. Okay. Uh, but that moment where he talks back to the father in the confessional was moment that made me jump because up to that point, while he's in the confessional, we'd always just been looking straight through the grates. Right. In that moment. When he starts questioning, you swing the camera mm-hmm. into his side of the confessional. Mm-hmm. You see this different angle, um, and also notice that the um, when he's telling him how many um, hail marys and yeah. and whatever to do, we then also miss the iconography, the mm-hmm. religious religious iconography mm-hmm. that you know every time the priest is saying do this and do this yep. and the God for, absolves you of your sins da 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 and it's always cutting back and forth the iconography yeah. and it's just like shut the curtain yeah um, so. To me, that moment, combined with a lot of other ones, led me to the idea of what this movie about uh, is about for me is the overcoming of uh, of these false myths that we've placed our mm. trust in. Because mm-hmm. I don't think the critique on uh, Catholicism or religion in this film is that it's completely horse crap. Right. But the way that John is coming towards it as a barometer for how good of a person he is, right. is flawed. Yeah, Much yeah, like yeah. the way he's coming into porn uh, as wrong mindset or just relationships in general. Because right. I yeah, think there's a there's a big critique of how um, Barbara, Scarlett Johansson's character, comes into uh, relationships at the end by John's silent sister. Which was a we, great yeah, moment. great moment. That uh, the critique of what she... What really explicitly says what she's about, which we kind of get into when you get her uh, losing herself into the movie moment yeah. of what she believes a relationship should be like. Because uh, John really just, like you touched on earlier, is using the relationship entirely for sex. Like right. The whole point of, for him is sex and for her is to have this Hollywood romance. Mm-hmm. I think you combine that with the religion thing. Um, really, I think the movie is about start breaking down these myths. Because really... Uh, when you watch them in church, it's always these like tracking shot. They're all looking straight mm-hmm. ahead. I mean, you could really do that losing themselves glow effect, right? right camera right in the face, center shot on every one of his, uh, person in his family right. for those instead. But I just think they've underplay uh, the church aspect yeah. of it all, but it's yeah. certainly there. So let me ask you this, Zach. Why is this film? I mean, I asked you only to pick four films. Yeah. Of all the films yeah. that you have ever seen, why is Don John on your list? Uh, uh, well, when we first talked about it many months ago, this is the first thing that I thought of. Uh, this film really was important to me when it first came out. Um, I really felt drawn to it. I love the story and the way that it was interplayed with the different film techniques mm-hmm. to get its point across. Uh, I just was at a point where this I absolutely love this movie. I saw it twice in theaters. Okay. I loved it. Do you think, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Uh, I forget when you and I were talking about this, but it was recently. Uh, Maybe it was on our movie countdown show. Yeah. Um, Where you talked about how you were reading more into philosophy and you're looking at different things and exploring things that you normally had not been exposed to. Um. And feeling like you're a better person because of that. <laughs> do you think that this movie helped trigger that? Or were you already going down that road before this movie came out? Um, I think this was kind of uh, a whole 
leading up to a big shift and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, this came at a point in my life where I could start reading in between lines in movies mm-hmm. based on Zach on film, which is why this movie is kind of important because I don't think um, I would have enjoyed it as much if we hadn't done Zach on film, mm. just because there was a realization of changing of camera techniques and of editing style and the yeah. incorporation of sound and editing and how they were interplaying just different aspects of film in general in this movie that I yeah. really enjoyed. Um, but this is a movie, <laughs> uh, you know, personal backstory that I have gotten in fights with, yeah. uh, with my now wife yeah. when it first came out, we got in a fight over this movie. Really? And then with another couple of friends. Uh, really? Yeah. They, let me guess. They hated it. Uh, no, interesting thing about this. You, yeah, I've I've talked to a, a handful of girls that have watched this movie, mm-hmm. and every single one of them hates it. Deplo- have they the, been able to say it. why? Uh, yeah. I mean, they just really hate all the porn in it, oh, okay. which is a thing. Okay. Uh, they don't, and, and they even acknowledge do the they, point it's making, and they still just hate it. Do they? I'm curious. Uh, I wonder. Be interesting to have that different perspective here because i'm curious and i will almost ask my wife to come watch this movie Mm -hmm. with me i'm i'm curious if um people think that scarlett johansson's character was hatchet jobbed you know forced into being the villain in this Uh, piece unfairly no one ever said anything that Mm. that would be an interesting uh because the only i mean if you look at it from that standpoint Mm -hmm. um the only people that john interacts with who are female are women he sleeps with and tosses aside. Yeah. Uh, a female that um, basically uses and manipulates him. Yeah. And then uh, his family, and then someone who is really kind of a motherly figure for him. Mm-hmm. That doesn't say a whole lot of good things about women in this movie. No, not a whole lot. Matthew, really? do you agree from that standpoint or not? Uh, I can definitely see how one would make that read. I didn't necessarily feel that. I mean, I didn't feel that way either, but I'm not coming from that perspective either. Right. Right. I think that there are difficulties. And, you know, if you look at this film from a historical standpoint, there's an easy predecessor that I think we haven't really looked at in Saturday Night Fever. Yeah, I was going to say that. Um, Which is a very similar film, and it has a very similar problem in that – because of Tony Manero and because of John's particular viewpoint, women really only fit into the roles of family member and or conquest. And when you get to the point where, yeah, you realize, you know, it's it's easy to see early on that uh, Susan. Which one? What's her name? Barbara? Scarlett Johansson. Esther? Oh, Barbara. 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 That Barbara is clearly manipulating him. And, it, right. it, you know, it, it comes to a head, so to speak. With the door frame sequence yeah, yeah, there, yeah. where you're <laughs> yeah. like, okay, this is this is clearly not healthy for him. This is no more healthy than what he's been doing. Right. Mm-hmm. This is possibly even worse. Yeah. <laughs> but when when you look at it from the perspective of this is the only real way that he interacts with people, you know, female people that he's not actually related to, it kind of does make sense. And like Tony Monero, you get into the point where there's some really troublesome stuff going on. There's some misogynist stuff in the story because the character has the elements of misogyny to him. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's it's hard to say, is the movie being misogynist or is it telling a story about a guy who doesn't know how to interact other than, you know, sexual, mm-hmm. mother mm-hmm. maiden and yeah. prone kind of thing? No, that's just an interesting thing yeah. that a couple people I've talked to have always noticed <laughs> that when you've ever talked to a girl that's, watch, that's actually watched this movie, they've never really liked it. Um, even, <laughs> I mean... Uh, yeah, so it's just interesting to me. Um, but do the people that you've had arguments with over this movie understand your point of view? Yeah, they just they just don't agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah they just don't. And agree. that's and, and that's fine. And that, so, yeah. I guess when you're having a discourse, yeah, whether it be civil or hostile, yeah, um, as long as I mean Matthew and I have argued over the years quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's not true, you liar. <laughs> I think we both understand where the other's coming from even though we vehemently do not agree with one another. Yeah. Right. Um, no, they understand. I mean, especially I'll just speak for Aubrey. Um, she understands where I'm coming from and I'll explain why I think it's, why it's an interesting movie and says Mm -hmm. interesting things. 
um, about coming in a relationship from a male point of view and a female point of view if you take if uh, uh, to me uh, this movie felt really relatable yeah yeah um so you're clearing your browser history every night right? <laughs> yeah well you know <laughs> firefox is that new thing we're just like every oh, five yeah, minutes just, yeah, there you go. have your own computer so that <laughs> no um just have to so, no, it's you're a good joke it's uh and so and then i mean there is a critique of the hollywood love thing which i think gets glossed over a lot right. in conversations which is uh, a, an important conversation to have in mm-hmm. uh I mean, either gender can get swept up in it. It's not a female-only thing. Sure. But when you look at movies that are being generically uh, broad-brush-stroked mm-hmm. as a quote-unquote uh, chick flick, yeah, they fall into a certain category, and then they even play around with that inside the own movie with the wonder- wonderfully surprising s- sequence crap, of Channing Tatum and Anne Hathaway. I was, I was like, <laughs> Anne Hathaway? Yeah. Well, she's... Only doing this for a bit part, and yeah. What Channing Tatum? What the heck? Uh, yeah, so I, I think he's friends with them both. Yeah, I was gonna say Joe yeah. Lev must be really good friends with these people to talk him into. Well, hey, I know come he's do my friends little with film. Channing. Okay. Well, it's so that that sequence is so almost too meta because they're both playing right. roles that they're Surreal. known for. Right. Of Channing Tatum, he was in all of those. Uh, I mean, like step up movies, but mm-hmm. he was in like in the Dear John, Nicholas mm-hmm. Sparks movies a couple times, and Anne Hathaway early in her career. Yeah, were were in was in movies yeah. like that. Both yeah. have stepped away and done right, right. really fantastic right. work it since was, then. It was just surprising to see. But, I mean, yeah, if we're talking is. actors, I mean, when Tony Danza popped up, I was like, holy oh, yeah. crap! Yeah, and then Tony it was Danza, and then it was almost, you know, looking from from the actor side. I mean, I watched Tony Danza's role, and I was like, this is really good. He's mm-hmm. really playing a good good character which is i mean people are gonna remember him from who's the boss and some stupid monkey movie were with baseball wasn't it um yeah, that was actually uh matt leblanc oh well uh, was a, a, sort of a, a low-rent version of the same well guy. watch watch matt leblanc in episodes he does a great job in that uh yeah, show playing tony danza basically <laughs> but yeah tony danza totally surprised me and as i reflected on his role in this movie it felt very much like burt reynolds doing boogie nights mm. which is another movie yeah. that uh, is about pornography and also has yeah. Julianne Moore in it. <laughs> oh my God! Can we talk for a moment about how bizarrely lovable Julianne Moore's character? No, her yeah, character I was like her. really, really. I don't know. I, her character was really weird. Yes, um, she seemed like a very free, open spirit, and for mm-hmm. and you don't know why she's having these issues where she's breaking down and crying, yeah. fighting with somebody, whatever. And it just seemed very odd that she was this very hippie person. Right. They, at first, she comes across as, you know, the, the blithe spirit. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, this is a movie where we're doing the tropes of, of romance and pornography. Yeah, yeah. And you're going to give us the older woman who's the manic pixie dream girl. But then they turned it all on its head. And even his perception of her. Yeah, because then, when, wrong. Mm-hmm. then when you find out about the death of her family, you're like, right. holy crap, that really changes yeah. this. Yeah. And when you when you look at their relationship at the end of the movie, and Sorry, I know spoiler. this is gross. This is kind of a little gross. Um, you take you, you see him actually taking the relationship he has with his mother and sister, where he yeah. actually emotionally connects with them, and the physicality that he has with all of the random girls, and he combines that into yes. one person. That's, and you that's have what kind I, of like that's why I said yeah. she was kind of a mother figure for him. Yeah. Vaguely, yeah. And mm-hmm. while that can be a little bit disturbing, it makes perfect sense for him. Especially if you're oh, your Freudian trap. Well, that's what I was going to say. If you want to go into yeah. Freudian stuff and if you want to follow all the times that he has sex, right. you know, he is missionary all the time. Right. Because yep. mm-hmm. um, he he's always it. and he hates it. And he's always wishing that the girl would be on top. And the fr- well, not the first time, the second time that they have sex together, mm-hmm. she goes ahead and is on top. Mm-hmm. And he says it's a wonderful experience. And then when the movie ends. Yeah, they're flipping. Yeah. Around. I love the like montage quick cut ending yeah like it, yes. it just like washed over me i just loved it and i was watching the theater and someone goes is that it, <laughs> it, it <laughs> go, come on it is come haze. on it's a great ending it, it is haze it is yeah, I know. abrupt I, it when, is abrupt it, when this movie does, started though, yeah go ahead is it, it explains time that you're not expecting a time jump at the end of the movie no mm. you're not expecting him to go and and you know then we we lived creepily ever after or whatever. <laughs> but but no, you're there, expecting I mean, a wrap yeah. up and it doesn't happen. Mm-mm. I think you're expecting the happily ever after moment, 
until he says, hey, I'm not going to marry her. She's not going to marry me. Oh, yeah. We're and just happy to be yeah. with one another right now. And that's it. And that's a, I think you're right. It's a very good ending. Um, there were some very disappointing elements of this movie, though. OK. Uh, first of all, once we started getting into the movie, I was like, oh, yeah, this movie would not work without narration. We yeah. have to have a narrator yeah. there explaining why and what he gets out of everything that's going on in his life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's fine because I like hearing that inner thought process, mm -hmm. especially when it comes to I really enjoy cleaning. And then yeah. um, Barbara just shames him about talking about cleaning. Products. That's a great uh, if you have this on iTunes or I'm assuming DVD or extra, you can watch extras. And they he highlights that scene in one one of the bits because uh, him and Scarlett Johansson ended up co-writing that scene together. Oh, it was really? a lot of like she brought a lot to that scene, she mm -hmm. said. And had ideas on how that scene should go. It was really interesting just hearing that. The editing in this movie is fan-freaking-tastic. Uh, yeah. I, I love it. So it. I love the sound so mixing. Uh, just the whole point where you're hearing the, you know, the click of the of the computer associated with the tossing of the uh, Oh, yeah, the, 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 the crumbling of the trash. Yeah. Of the, yeah. Is just wonderful. It's so good. Um, the <laughs> musical thing where he's, you know, he's talking about this and this and this and, yeah. you know, just going, just works so freaking wonderfully so well. well. I just love the editing. Yeah. I like the camera angles and too. And, and, uh, you know, using the imagery alongside the dialogue, mm -hmm. which either enforces what's being said or counteracts what's being said. Mm -hmm. The one thing I couldn't stand in this movie though, was the lighting. Mm. And really? the reason why I couldn't stand the lighting was because the lighting called itself out too many times. Oh. First time he, he sees Scarlett Johansson, she's lit with the God light, yeah. right? And she's all aglow and she's standing out from everybody else. And you could say, okay, this is that Dreamweaver moment mm -hmm. uh, where he's, you know, falling in love. But then he goes up to a bar and she's still lit. Yeah. They go home for the first time and they're making love together. And she's perfectly lit with shadows in appropriate mm -hmm. places. Mm -hmm. But her hair is perfectly lit up and, and glowing. Mm -hmm. And it's just like... Yeah, when you call out, I mean, the editing I can understand as being a little bit more called out because it's a rhythm and it's yeah. uh, part of the narration, it's, it's part of the story. Mm -hmm. But when you intentionally call out right. lighting on specific people in the movie, it really took me out mm -hmm. because yeah. I was like, where's that light coming from? Sure. <laughs> and the rest of the room is pitch black and yet she's glowing like an angel. That That's not a license of the character's view on her, mm -hmm. that's how they chose to light her. Mm -hmm. And right. that just ruined the whole movie for yeah. me. I shouldn't say ruined the whole movie. It's still a good movie. Yeah. But it, there was another movie years ago. It was also a terrible movie. Um, <laughs> it was Julia Roberts' uh, Dying Young, I think, was the movie. Yes. I think that's what it was. Yeah. It's also a movie where shots were used intentionally to say, look how we lit this and look how beautiful it is. And I was more distracted by the lighting in sure. the movie and couldn't get into the movie. Now, granted, mm -hmm. it's not a very good movie, but um, <laughs> here the lighting was very distracting. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just certain production points that I really enjoy is that they they break it down into three acts and each act gets its own camera style, editing style, yeah. and music. Mm -hmm. Where you start off in the club and it's boom, boom, and you got a lot of quick, fast cuts and right. whips and... Uh, uh, the melody, which was placed throughout, is all electronic. Right. Um, the music was done by uh, Nathan Johnson, who's Ryan Johnson's brother. Oh, okay. Who did who did the music uh, on Brick and Looper? Yeah. Uh, he so he did all three. He composed the acts, and then you get in the second act with Barbara, which models her idea of romance and goes right. very classical with the music, orchestra. Mm -hmm. uh, all the shots are dollied, very classical style of editing, and then we get to the third act. Um, which m goes into more solo. The music is m much more sparse yeah. and goes into this like solo guitar riff on the melody. And then the camera goes all uh, handheld. Right. To yeah. Have like a more n natural look. Uh, they is a change from the norm. I mean, yeah, a change see, from the norm. You know, the handheld shot is, is kind of representing something natural or in times, many times chaotic. Yeah. And that's what's going on in his life is yeah. it's chaos and he's mm -hmm. trying to pick the pieces back up. Yeah. So. Um, and going back to the editing, uh, Nathan Johnson said that uh, when it was edited, they gave him a rough edit and then he did all the music and then uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt and his editor went back in and then re-edited things to the music. It worked out so much. Which better. worked out really, really well. 
And uh, Nathan said that was not something that ever happens when you make a movie. Yeah, no, no one's going back not. and re-editing a movie based on yeah. your music, yeah. which I thought uh, was really interesting, which is something that I like about uh, Joe is that if you follow him in his real life, he does a production company called Hit Record, which is this massively collaborative effort. Right. Uh, where they just made a TV show. They've put out books. They've put out a couple of records. Isn't they make that the a lot same of short thing films. that um, Frodo Baggins does too? Um I don't know. I think he does the same thing where um, he does movies, but he also has a record label and has some other oh, really? things going on too. At the yeah, same it's interesting. Time. If you uh, if you have iTunes, they did a hit record show last year on Fuse, or I don't remember what network, but you can watch the first episode for free. And they have different themes each episode, and then people start pitching ideas, and people throw up music, and then another person will do. They'll just go out and shoot a lot of shots of, the, of a city, and then someone will edit it, and then someone does graphics. So it's just really massive collaborative effort for yeah. the show. And you really get a feel, if you watch the behind the scenes for this, On you get a feeling for that on where he is working with people that he's known, or mm-hmm. uh, they get an influence, like wardrobe influences a lot in the movie. It was amazing him going through and talking about who was working on this film and how he knew pretty much everyone based on previous experience. The DP shot Brick. I yeah. can't remember. He shot Brick. Which... Mm. Yeah, yeah, And then a lot of people he knew, like, lighting department and stuff, he picked mm-hmm. up from Looper. Yeah. And he actually worked with Tony Danza in a film when he was little. That's how we got him. That's what I'm... Yeah, everything. He, it's, it's really nice, and that's, that's another nice thing, is the more connections you make, the easier it yeah. is to call on those people when you need help. Yeah. And then uh, we talked about financing just for a quick moment at the very beginning of the show. Um, he got a producer that he knew had worked on small films because he didn't want uh, this to get funding from studio right. because he wanted complete control. Mm-hmm. And so they were able to raise just enough money so they could keep complete control over it. And Good. then it uh, made it. And then this it wasn't, this wasn't Kickstarter funded or anything like that? Crowdsourced, nope. right? No, nope. Okay. Nope. it was just funded the old-fashioned way, I guess. So I was uh, Elijah Wood is who I was thinking about. Mm-hmm. He's got a record label called Simeon Records. Oh wow! He also is a DJ. Oh, he also um, is a producer uh, and a production company that promotes horror films is what he has. Oh, um, interesting. It's rebranded. You may know it as Spectra Vision. Ooh. Yeah. So there you go. That's that's what I was thinking that's about. Fun. So yeah, it's good that you can branch out and do many things. So yeah. Um. Very good. Is there anything else that we're missing here? Um, no, we that covered Matthew a lot. And I, did not, and I know, uh, reveal. Uh, to get back to why I wanted to do this movie, uh, one, I've thought about that while watching it, because um, maybe the, I think this movie just hit at a point in life that really resonated with me. Right. And uh, how, how old would you have been? Oh, 12. 21. 21, okay. 20, 22. Okay. Uh, 2003. Okay. 2013. Um, so it just really resonated with me a lot, and I still really enjoy it. Um, but in the middle of watching it, I was kind of hesitant. I was like, ah, I probably could have picked something better as a film, but this is still a film I enjoy. And I love the conversation that goes around with it. Yeah. Um, just cause I think it's a film that is abstract enough, but straightforward where you can get into meanings of film and what people yeah, are trying yeah, to no, say. No, I, think- I think it's, a, I think I love talking about this film, uh, mainly cause people have, are generally, passionate about what they feel mm-hmm. about it and so i think it just has interesting conversations surrounding it well and i've watched two of the four films already yeah um if they're all like this that's very interesting very telling um oh. i know one of them you and i are gonna have a very big disagreement on <laughs> there was there was a there was a selection of films when i first did it that i was like oh i can't choose all these because there's just too much nudity like I, I, I there was like three out of the four films were just all sex yeah i was like what's maybe we'll do something different well i mean maybe, uh, i kept, I kept this one yeah oh yeah maybe i'm 22 well you took her off the list which i, was... I did take her which is the if, if i was going to replace this one it would have been her and i've kept kept other three. Oh, kept her in and taken don john out yeah you know i um I think we've talked enough about her. We probably have on on our multiple different yeah. shows. You know, I I enjoyed this movie. I'm glad That's it good. was something that you know kind of quote unquote forced me to sit down and watch, yeah. even though I would have gotten around to it eventually. Um, but I wouldn't consider this is this is my problem because we've been watching. I mean, we watched um, freaking Citizen Kane, right? And before that, when we watched something else that was just amazing. 
don't remember. We we were on a streak of some really oh, yeah, amazing yeah. movies that I loved, and then coming off of this, I was like, uh, it's still a movie I like, but it wasn't well like the gold standard so, that we've been watching lately. So the 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 point of this exercise, so that we're perfectly clear, I think you understand this, but just so everybody understands, the point was you were forced to watch the. 80 plus films, 100 films that are yeah. on this list. So you could have an appreciation of where we are at today mm-hmm. and how all of those films influenced where we're at today and maybe influence you a little bit. But that wasn't the whole point of to influence you. It was to kind of show you how we evolved and how we got to now so you had a greater appreciation and understanding of why right. things are done the way they are now. You were asked to pick these films because these are films that influenced you. Matthew and Rodrigo and I can sit around and we can talk about the films on the list and say, well, these are films that influenced us in this way or had meaning to us in this way. Right. You don't have – I mean we don't have that perspective from you because you'd never seen yeah. these films. So now from – from you know, it, it is really flipped where you are telling us these are films that have meaning to me and why and let's discuss it and those kinds of things. So mm-hmm. we're not saying that – and I want people to understand that these films that Zach has picked are not films – Maybe they will be. Who knows? That are going to wind up on the National Film Registry. These are films that have meaning to Zach and have influenced Zach. And the reason why right. I asked you how old you were, Zach, is because um, I think at some point everybody goes through some kind of awakening. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not an awakening where you listen to music and suddenly you can start talking again. Um, but you have an awakening where you move out of the cocoon and <laughs> – move beyond your world of understanding the world that you have grown up in. And you look to learn something else to broaden your horizons, to make yourself a better person or to have a better understanding of things. Mm. Yours happened at 2021. I think mine probably happened between uh, 28, 29, whenever it really kicked in. Um, And I had my bigger understanding of, (laughs) of what was going on. Um, I don't know uh, when Matthews happened, maybe a little bit earlier, maybe around the same age, who knows? 19-ish. Yeah. And then I think that there is this next stage where you end up in your late 30s and 40s and you're suddenly saying, well, this is this is how all of this works and why all of this works. And I have something to say and you kids never listen kind of thing, <laughs> right? And it's this really weird cycle that mm-hmm. happens again and again and again. Um, so we're seeing you breaking out of your shell. Yeah. And we're finding out more about you now. You found yeah. – I mean through this exercise, people have found out about us. Yeah. Right? Through these films, these films that have influenced us, sometimes maybe not influenced because there were a lot of things on the list that Rodrigo and Matthew had never seen either. Um, but now we get to find out about you. Mm-hmm. And we get to see you as you take charge of your life and move forward too. Sure. So I think, you know, somebody's going to say, well, that movie sucked. That's great. I hope somebody jumps into the comment yeah. section and shares their thoughts about this. Um, yeah. Heads over to the podcast posting page at MajorSpoilers.com yeah. and uh, shares their thoughts, whether they think this movie is good or bad. Um, but we are definitely seeing something that influences Zach. And knowing what the four – have we announced what the four films are? Um, no, we might as well just do it right now. Yeah, So we did Don John right now. Right. Next week we will be looking – Tree of Life at the Great Beauty. Oh, the Great Beauty. Okay, yeah. Um, which What's is that? A, it's a it's a it's a foreign film. Foreign film. It's a foreign film. Do I have and to then, speak Italian? Actually, it's in Italian. <laughs> uh, then the week after that, we'll be watching oh, okay. the Tree of Life. Yeah. by Terrence Malick. Uh huh. And then we'll, is that in English? That is yes. in English mm. for how much language there is. Yes. And then we will wrap it up with Twelve Years a Slave. Is that in English? That is in English, yeah. Won a couple of Oscars. It did. I it, haven't seen that. Th- it was either going to be that or um, uh, Cloud Shame. Atlas. No, it was going to be Shame by oh. the same director, yeah, yeah. which is the first movie I watched. But that one was really about sex. And there was a lot of... Because I had to do a, a balancing of what I should What's do. What's wrong with you, Zach? Why are you because so obsessed about the, no, sex? Well, and you know, sex is fun. Shame and her and Don John, there is yeah. a theme. No, though, because Shame, Shame was... We could have gotten into ratings. His NC seventeen. There's right, inter- right, right. It's an interesting film, but I think a lot of what I like about Shame from the production uh, is in Twelve Years a Slave because that movie is 
No, we'll definitely. I'm looking forward to looking at yeah. that one. That's another one that I have that I, again, I just need to be in the right frame of mind yeah. to want to engage in that. <laughs> yeah. A lot of times when I sit down, I mean, um, I spend a lot of my time working, working on major yeah. spoilers and doing things, reading comics, writing reviews. Uh, today I spent uh, most of the afternoon editing stuff uh, for this week. Um, so when I sit down to relax, if that's the word I can use, um, one of two things happen. I sit down in front of my TV and I turn on the uh, uh, Apple TV and I start watching YouTube videos and then fall asleep. Mm-hmm. Or I just want to totally turn my mind off and watch a movie that I don't have to really worry too yeah. much about, something yeah. that I feel safe watching. And that's, you know, oftentimes while I, I spend a year watching uh, foreign kung fu films mm-hmm. and spend a year watching really horrible movies that had a rating of 30 or below because it was something I just turned my mind off and not think about. Um, so, yeah, I think it's good to, to watch these films and I'm glad you picked these films up and it's, and it's now forcing me to get into that yeah. frame of mind to you own them, watch them. Watch them. Yeah. <laughs> so, so there you go. Yep. All right. I think that's it, huh? I think that's it. Anything else? No, I feel good about the episode. Yeah, me too, man. Good. I hope so. Matthew, you feel okay? Uh, Anything else that well, you need to add that we forgot? I'm secretly in love with Julianne Moore now. Yeah, she's nice. So, yeah. that's, that's <gasps> Yeah, fun. you should probably watch Boogie Nights then. I've seen Boogie Nights. I love Boogie that, Nights. Yeah. And, but you know, the thing about Julianne Moore that makes me love that movie is not any of the sex scenes. It's when she's on Coke and she oh, yeah, and Heather yeah. Graham are yep. sitting there. She's like, I'm going to call you mom, okay? I'm going to call yeah. you mom and you just say you're my mom, okay? And I'm like, oh, that's just heartbreaking. I don't know what you think of P.T. Anderson. Paul Thomas Anderson, not P.T. Anderson. Um, I've P. only Bo- watched There Will Be Blood and I watched it in a really weird – I was at like work and it was just on. Oh, okay. Kind of. Just backwards. So you haven't watched The Master or anything like that? No, I haven't. But I know that we're, There Will Be Blood was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> did you listen to, to Mary? I did. I watched listened to it today, yeah. That is, a, if if you don't know what we're talking about, Paul Thomas Anderson did a two-hour interview with Mark Maron on his uh, show WTF, uh, and it is a fan freaking tastic interview yeah. uh, that you should go and listen to. I just, I of people who I think do great interviews, Mark Maron is one of the people that I really listen to the way he does an interview style. Um, Chris Hardwick at Nerdist mm-hmm. is another. Um, Adam Carolla is another, and even um, uh, Aisha Tyler with Girl on Guy. Those are four podcasts where those people understand how to conduct a really good interview and just have a conversation mm-hmm. with people. And that Marin Paul Thomas Anderson one is great. And I really think you probably, if you like, um, what's his name? Bud- Grand Budapest Hotel. If you like him, I think you would get a kick out of, yeah, yes, Wes Anderson, Anderson and Paul Anderson. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think you will get a kick out of Paul uh, Anderson's films. Yeah. So, cool. yeah, go, st- cool. I would say just start with the beginning one. We'll go watch Boogie Nights. Yeah. And then transition. Well, actually, Heart Eight, mm. and then Boogie Nights, and then um, Magnolia, which is I don't know, probably the the my least favorite of all of them. Mm. Uh, the Master, and then um, I Master. really want to see Inherent yep. Vice, yeah. which is the new one. So yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, man. All right, I've well, seen The Master. I love Lee Van Cleef. Oh. Uh, that's it for this episode. Like Stephen said, head over to the podcast posting page where you can give your thoughts about this conversation. Or on Don John. Uh, while you're there, click on Amazon.com link where you can go buy this movie or any other movies we have coming up on the show or anything else you want. Toilet paper, um, uh, yeah, granola bars, all of that could be yours for the same great price that Amazon listed as, but a little bit will come back to major spoilers when you use that link. Uh, so that's it for this episode. Next week, we will be talking the great movie on Jack Lockwood. podcast is copyright 2015 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.